Welcome to the Flow State Performance Podcast. Created for those committed to mastery and success. Coming to you from Manly, Australia, we break down the science and philosophy of optimal performance so you can unleash your potential. Hey guys, welcome to the Flow State Performance Podcast. This is episode 27 with Josh Rice. So the Flow State Performance Podcast is the show for those who are all about peak performance, all about the science and philosophy of flow states, and for those who want to be inspired by others who are living in various ways in states of flow or peak performance. So I'm your host, Jira Taylor. I'm based in Manly, Australia, and you can check out all the show notes at www.flowstatecollective.com. On today's episode, we have Josh Rice, who is a super creative guy, a very successful guy. He's the creator of a YouTube channel, which has had millions of views. Um, He started off as a musician, as a producer. He started doing collaborations with all sorts of people, and his career has evolved. And I was was introduced to him. um, I basically found him because he put on a profile online that he had this interest in neuroscience and hacking flow states. looking at physics and basically looking at different forms of uh, tapping into peak performance. And I had a chat with him and I was like, man, this guy is super interesting. He's like a living, breathing example of somebody that is literally hacking his maximum performance. So he's learning all about how he achieves creative states of mind. And he basically makes changes to his lifestyle, um, his workspace, um, the lighting, the sounds, the smells. Basically, he's, a, he's got some really interesting ideas about how to basically um, tap into optimal states of creativity and performance. So today we're going to learn, we're going to talk about some of those subjects. We're going to talk a little bit about ayahuasca. We're going to talk about isochronic beats. And uh, make sure you listen in. We actually end up going for like one hour 20 or something because this was such a great conversation. Um, but you don't want to miss this one. If you care about setting your life up for more creativity and peak performance, then do not miss this show. Welcome to the Flow State Performance Podcast, Josh. How are you? Hey, doing good. How you doing? Awesome, man. I'm doing great. So, Josh, you're you are a um, a musician, a producer, um, kind of a lot uh-huh. of things. Just explain. There's not really a label, I guess, for for, for what you do. Um, just explain. Yeah, I get to confused us how... telling people what I do nowadays. Oh, I bet, man. I bet. In the old days, it was easy. Like I'm a doctor, or I'm a lawyer, singer. or I'm an engineer, yeah. or a singer. Yeah, but uh-huh. what, how do you describe yourself? Um, I, I guess I, I usually say a YouTuber now because I've kind of done two different channels and, and that's, that's the main hub. Um, and then all the mini hats that, that go in there, you know, uh, writer, uh, singer, producer, uh, I have to engineer, uh, the music too. So it, it ends up being just, I, when I was doing videos, I was, I was editing the videos also. And, um, and I guess now I'm kind of developing some video games and yeah. running a server. I don't know. <laughs> cool, man. We'll get to that. So, yeah. so, so people best know you and just let me, let me know if you get an echo. Okay. I'll put my headphones on. Uh-huh. Um, but people most know you for, for being a YouTuber and, um, you've got something crazy like 220,000 YouTube subscribers and some of the, the music videos that you've got on there have been viewed like millions of times. Um, mm-hmm. So 
talk to us about how you ended up, uh, I guess, making a living from um, creating YouTube videos. Well, it um, it kind of started by accident, I guess. Uh, I I was writing songs and I was trying to pitch them. I was trying to be a songwriter and artist, you know, in the traditional sense of music industry. And um, so I was sending songs to A&Rs and things like that. And there was a a thing that started happening with hackers hacking A&R emails to get unreleased songs of like major artists. And what happened was it ended up being a bunch of us like non-major, you know, broke songwriters. Uh, Our songs started getting leaked to like blogs and things like that. And one of my songs, uh, uh, Thank You for the Broken Heart, ended up on YouTube. And it started getting, it got like a million views before I even realized it was on there. And I was like, what is going on here? I'm, I haven't even, I didn't even have a YouTube channel really. And uh, so I was like, man, if, if it can get a million views without me doing anything, how much, you know, could I, I think I could do this if I'm actually putting my effort to it. Yeah. And, um, and I had a lot of random people help me that, you know, uh, there was one guy, this guy, I don't even know his real name. I just know his screen name, uh, Debonair. And he was giving me all these tips of like other YouTube singers that had done certain things and kind of guided me in the right direction. Um, and then it was just kind of a thing of uh, kind of finding formulas and analyzing a lot of uh, just different elements of the, the video aspect. I didn't know how to edit any videos, so I kind of had to teach myself how to do that. I watched some tutorials on Linda, you know, for like a week straight, just like information binges of like four to five hour sessions of watching tutorials and then try to just let it all absorb somehow. And and uh, do that and it's just kind of evolved over the time now I'm into the gaming sector um, my main channel now is is uh, I don't even use the one that that you referenced really much anymore because the gaming side has taken up all of my time and it's okay so honestly... just explain this so so I know <laughs> that you are working on a on a channel which is basically a, a parody channel uh, for the popular game uh, Minecraft yeah yeah, we do um, we do Minecraft parodies, and then we we started doing last year uh, original songs that I would just kind of write based on aspects of the game. So I'd like find like one one song was about was like all right, let's let's tell a story from one of the the mobs. The mobs are like the bad guys in Minecraft, uh, the skeleton. So I like had this like dancing in the rain slash. Um, Frozen, the Olaf song, the summer, and I kind of took those those two songs and kind of mashed mashed the vibe together and, and kind of made it of this skeletons like dancing around, and um, so we've we've done kind of a lot of random things like that uh, that are that were just original songs that just you know just are about the game and I, I think the gamers the kids that are watching it um, they like to imagine things like that so I I, I have fun exercises of just thinking about like one small detail. And saying, how can I create a whole story around that? So and let me get so this straight. So Minecraft is, is a computer game that is mostly played by by kids, or is it um, kind of it's, like it's got a pretty large uh, range of, of ages now? But the ma- the majority that we assume sometimes the analytics can be deceiving um, because a lot of analytics will say it's like uh, twenty five to forty five year olds, but that might be younger kids' parents' accounts, you know. So there's there's no way to to tell. Um, but the game is is the it's the biggest game 
in the whole world, uh, basically, as far as the users, I think there's over 100 million players on it. So it's just a, a massive audience, wow. and they're they're the, and it's it's a game based on creativity, where you just go in the game, and there's no rules. There's just well, there's obviously rules set in the code, but um, there's no instructions. You just kind of are thrown in the game and you have to figure out, you have to get wood. You have to go over a tree and punch a tree. That's like the biggest joke, you know? And then, um, once you have the wood, you can create a stick and then an ax and then a house. And then, and so these kids build these amazing things and and adults too, you know? Um, and it's, it's kind of a, a cool little, you know, zone out type thing where you don't have to be violent. You don't have to, you know, it's not like a shooter where, you know, you're, you're trying to, you know, get the best K to D ratio. Um, Wow. But they do have they do have that aspect, and now there's like online servers where people play against each other, and you know they'll build a house, and then other people are on the server with you, you know, real time. They're they could be there, you know, when you go to sleep for eight hours, somebody could go raid your house and take all your stuff, or they could destroy your house, or or you know whatever. So you have to like it's like virtual reality in a way. Um, it's it's like an it's I, I think the. The genre is like an open sandbox. I think that's what they call it now. There's a few games that are that are similar to it now that that don't have the blocky look. They they look more photorealistic, um, and those are the games that I tend to play more now. I don't even really play much Minecraft anymore because yeah. I'm too busy making stuff about it. <laughs> so basically, so let's get this straight. So basically, Minecraft has a whole bunch of characters in there, and you you guys you basically. Uh, see an opportunity to create a song um, which is going to capture the imagination of the people playing the game and yeah. you basically create the lyrics and, we, and make the music and get the animation from the game no we don't get the animation from the game it's, um, it's, fully, it's fully 3D created in, um, in animation software so it's, it's pretty massive projects like a 3 minute video will take us 2-3 months sometimes some videos took six months to make um, because we have like affiliate uh, animators sometimes working, so they'll just do one video all their own. But it takes a long, yeah. long, long time. Right. So it's a full-on operation. And what what kind of viewing statistics? What are the numbers on some of these Minecraft videos? Well, the I think the most viewed one that we have was a parody of Imagine Dragons, uh, Radioactive. And it was called Dragons, and it, I think it's over 20 million, and that's that's one video. I think our channel is around 200 million views now. Whoa, 20 million people viewed that one video. That's yeah, it's it's pretty it's pretty crazy. Some of them, I mean, there when it when it launched the third day, it started going really viral, and it got like 150 thousand views in a day, and we were like you know looking back and forth like is this is this a glitch <laughs> yeah 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 that's so crazy man that's like the entire population of australia is less than 20 million and uh, <laughs> that's just huge so what have you learned i guess like what are this what are the secrets like what makes one thing viral go viral versus another thing that does not um well there's not really a simple answer for that, I guess. Um, I've I've definitely tried to figure that out because <laughs> yeah. you know it's like all right, what when we don't have one that goes viral, what did we do wrong? You know, uh, so I know certain times with with us when they haven't gone as viral as others, um, there were maybe some corners cut, you know, and that's that's probably the most basic reason. 
And then other reasons are um, timing and just uh, finding something that resonates with people like is, is what makes it go viral. You know, when, when somebody hears, you know, words or something about the music catches their, their ear and they, you know, they want to keep coming back to it. So it, it, it kind of, it kind of takes a little bit of a seed of, you know, like some of the search engine results and then related videos. Um, and then the quality of the video seems to trump it. It's like, that seems to just be as simple as that. It's like, if it's, if it's good, it, it, it can go, you know, there. And also it helps to have the, the audience that exists yeah. that's a built-in audience that's looking for it and that wants more content and there's not many people doing what we're doing because it takes so much time and it's so much work yeah i mean i mean i'll spend 40 50 hours on the music recording and writing doing all that and then they'll spend you know 50 to two three hundred hours on the animation for one of labor for one like video quick. And and sometimes they don't go viral. It's like yeah. <laughs> it's brutal. It's like oh, oh so crazy, much work. Man. So wow. we just kind of pray, you know. We, we try to do our best, and 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 the thing with YouTube is is uh it's really it's really important to to stay connected with the fans and 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 try to be more of a, uh, try to have a relationship with with communication and you know keeping them up to date because when they start following you, it's, it's like they start expecting things out of you. And, and when you let them down, it, it's kind of like, you, you know, you feel bad. You're like, wow, you know, we, we kind of, you know, let them down. But then when you do you good, you're like, all right, yeah, everybody's, everybody's happy again. We're good. You know, it's like, mm. it's, it's like an organism, you know, it's like, there's, there's a definite, you know, crowd, mentality that starts happening in the comment section sometimes yeah so there's there's just a lot of just random things that that have to align sometimes for videos to go super viral and then you can you can you can consistently do certain things um to to get them to you know get enough views for it to make sense yeah man it's it's such an interesting world like that you've been immersed in for the last six or seven years just this organism like you say this youtube organism and like seeing like what the patterns are and what the habits are and how one thing goes viral. It's just, it's really amazing stuff, man. So when I, when I first yeah. um, encountered you or, or, or reached out to you, um, I, I don't know how I, I stumbled across you, but basically I was obviously, I think I was doing a keyword search. Um, and basically on your, on your LinkedIn profile, it's, it jumped out at me because it said, I have a passion for physics, neuroscience, hacking flow states, inventions and the future and if you're interested in any of this stuff then contact me and i was like wow yeah. i'm interested in all of that stuff so <laughs> how on earth does 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 your passion for for physics and neuroscience um fit into this sort of stuff um it hasn't really fit in yet <laughs> it's just all it's just a side it's all, project it's all hobby right now and you know it's it's a uh, it's things that i've i guess i've always been a curious person so I was, I was homeschooled until sixth grade and, um, my mom always said, you know, when we would say, Oh, what does that mean? Or what is that? She'd be like, look it up. You know, we had dictionaries and encyclopedias in the house. And, uh, mm. and I think that, you know, when I think back on why I do what I do now, I think that probably had a big, you know, a big impact. Um, and, 
and, and it's just fun to me to, to learn things that, that maybe aren't well known. Like maybe, maybe it's like exclusivity of feeling like, like you're finding secrets maybe. Um, so there's kind of a hunt aspect to it of, you know, it's like, I'll have an idea and then I'll read something and then I'll have another idea and then I'll kind of search terms based on like a hypothesis. And then since Google and the world is so vast, it's like, there's not many ideas that somebody hasn't had some kind of parallel, you know, information, uh, string. And so it's like you click on Wikipedia and then, and so in the last couple of years, I've really gotten into all that stuff and actually like two or three weeks ago was when I added that to my profile. Cause I was like, you know what? I really would like to meet some people that are into this stuff. Cause there's, I don't meet many people that are, uh, in the YouTube realm or in my day to day life realm, you know? So it's like, I start talking and people start going, uh, <laughs> <laughs> you know? so it's I was like, all right, I'll just put, we found I'll each other. That. You can talk yeah, to me about like, physics anytime you want. Yeah. It's like the internet, you know, there's gotta be, there's other people that, that are interested in that stuff. So, yeah. um, Cool. Yeah, man. I was I was watching your your video. Uh, I I couldn't watch it from my phone for some reason. It was because I guess you set the age restriction. Oh, uh, maybe. Yeah. So I don't. I I understand why, but I don't know if um. I don't know if uh, that was just the phone glitch or whatever. But yeah. Uh, so how was that? I want to know about that. Oh, Are you okay. Cool so basically, talking about that Josh is referring to a uh, a little video I put up, which is about my ayahuasca experience. Um, or my third ayahuasca experience. And uh, if you're watching this on YouTube, then you can probably see a link to it somewhere um, below or to the side of this for that video. It's called A Message to the Trees. Yeah, click there. (laughs) (laughs) Message from the the description. And then they move the description. Uh, Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, So basically, it was amazing, man. It's my third time doing a ceremony with plant medicine. And... So plant medicine is basically referring to a range of entheogens, which basically means naturally occurring substances, which can be used in a ceremonial setting and are often psychedelic or psychoactive, and they can create um, or provoke uh, altered states of consciousness. Um, so within this range of, of substances, I guess you'd have things like peyote, uh, San Pedro, those are both mescaline-based cactuses, You'd have psilocybin from mushrooms. Um, you'd have like cambo, which is a, um, a psychedelic that is harvested from the venom of a frog. Um, there's, all bunch of, there's a whole bunch of stuff, but probably the, the most well-known one is, is ayahuasca. Um, uh-huh. So I did a ceremony, which was a weekend ceremony, where the first day it was San Pedro and the second day is ayahuasca. And um, yeah, it, it was just phenomenal, man, because... For two days, you're existing in this state of consciousness, which is not dominated by beta brain waves, uh-huh. the analytical mind, and thinking, logic and reason, judgment, what shall I do, weighing one thing against another. That seems to be like the dominant brain state during our waking lives. And to spend a whole weekend where that is just like a, a side state. That's just the dominant, the dominant state is probably something like alpha, theta, gamma in terms of brain waves. But yeah. just like openness, acceptance, love, uh, egolessness, timelessness, like nobody had any clue like what time was doing. We were like, have we been in this forest for like one hour or five hours? But, uh, it's been weeks. It's been weeks. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and 
you know, there's a, we're hanging out with like complete strangers, but yet you feel that connection with them because you get past all that ego shit. You're just like, that doesn't even exist. Yeah. So you're just like, oh, cool. Huh. Let's just hang out for this weekend and, and just get on. But it was just a fantastic time to see things from a slightly different perspective. So I was doing work on myself because with ayahuasca, it's very much therapeutic. Um, you, you kind of like don't have a choice on where you're going to go. You have to surrender to this journey. And it kind of takes you where you need to go. So for me, I was doing some inner work on things like my ego or, or things like my, my fear of this or my fear of that. And you kind of just like cocooned underneath your, your, in your bed. Uh, you can't really move. And you got like this awesome music going on and your stomach's gurgling. And you're just like in this really altered state, but you're thinking about things from a completely different perspective. And sometimes you work, like, I work through these problems and I'm like, yeah, okay, my ego's doing this, but my ego's also protecting me. Um, my ego serves a purpose, so maybe I should just not be so critical of my ego. Maybe I should love my ego and stop judging my ego. So I was on this mad trip where I was, like, <laughs> addressing the judgment of my judgment. And I worked it all out. Like, I got to the end of the, the riddle and I was like, oh. Oh, yeah. Before I did that, I was like purged because in ayahuasca, you sometimes puke. You sometimes like vomit oh. stuff. So I had a bucket and I was like, Bleh! all this shit came out. And and after that, I was just like, oh, man, I needed to get rid of that stuff. I needed to get rid of that baggage that I was carrying. And after that, I was just like in the joy zone, in the bliss zone and just like really like giving out and receiving epic vibes from everyone around me. Um, do you remember everything during it or are there points where you just can't remember anything and it's like something vague or it's amazing it's it's pretty lucid yeah wow. it's pretty lucid yeah you, you kind of I, I feel like I have good recollection of of almost everything you know you, you sort of obviously you, you don't because the, the ayahuasca is like a six seven hour journey but you're pretty lucid oh wow yeah, you, you, it's almost like you, you, it's not like a drunk state or a stone state where like you have memory loss and stuff like that. It's, you know, you've got this, it's almost like you're operating in this completely different realm of consciousness, but you can observe what's going on from your previous state of consciousness. And because of that, you can, you can remember. And even today, like this is a, a week and a half after, I'm still having like flashbacks and still having like, lessons being learned and things making more sense like as huh. the days go by yeah so it, it lingers a little bit it lingers for months man like the, the, wow. the shamans say that the medicine actually stays within your system for for weeks and months um i don't know about hmm. that like i got an interesting story of a friend who was listening to a podcast about a dude who did an ayahuasca journey and then 48 hours later he he had some marijuana. He had like a, a joint or something. And he had like a full-on another ayahuasca experience. Like, <laughs> oh. And so my friend was like, sweet, I'm going to try that. That's like two for one. So he went home and, and did the <laughs> same thing. And he told me like he had this ridiculous sexual experience. He had like, a, uh, like a, an orgasm that just went on <laughs> and on. And on and on and on. And he said, like, after, like, 45 minutes, it just got so stupid. 
that he had to just like stop it because <laughs> 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 he was like, I got shit to do. I can't be orgasming all night. <laughs> so I haven't experienced that, man. But uh, <laughs> that's just in reference to the idea that it stays in your system. But, but I do feel like the, one of the most interesting things about doing this kind of ceremony or medicine work is the integration afterwards into, into normality. You know, like I'm seeing my relationships in a slightly different way. I'm seeing the work that I do in a slightly different way. I'm looking at how I interact with my mother and my father and my best friends. And like everything is just sort of like, I can just, it's almost just like I've got a, an alternate perspective now. Like I've still got my traditional perspective to see, see the world through. But it's almost like now, I don't know if it's temporary or not, but now I've got this alternate lens to look through. Um, and it's a pretty awesome lens. It's a lens that is, is uh, less fearful and less needy. It's a lens that's kind of more pure. And so I can see all my whole life through this kind of fearless lens. And so it's almost like I can live life as though there is no fear. Like temporarily in my state right now, I'm not like scared of anything. Like there's no, none of that voice which says, oh, you shouldn't do this or you shouldn't say that or you should you should think about that. It's kind of like not there right now. Like I'm, I'm sure it will yeah. start to creep back in. Um, but it's quite a pure state to exist in. That's pretty cool. I've, I've read a lot about uh, um, studies that they've, where they've measured the brainwaves of, of people that are in getting into creative states and and what what they've they've seen is that when when uh, like for example one of them was a rapper coming up with uh, improv things and it's like the front uh, I think both front hemispheres shut down uh, to a certain extent so I kind of wonder if the ayahuasca is actually for shutting sure. a lot down in a very you know systematic way yeah but then since it's a since it is a substance it it stays in there and there's a little bit left in there that's kind of still maybe you know turning down that that stuff that is really i mean what is what does doubt and worry do for us it you know sometimes it keeps us alive in you know certain situations but for the most part i i feel like it holds us back you know i think like like doubt and anxiety is, is related to our amygdala. And our, our amygdala is the, the, the alarm center in, in, right in the reptilian part of the brain. So the very old yeah. school part of the brain. And this, that's basically the fight or flight response is, is stimulated by our, our amygdala. And, and studies have shown like in meditation and uh, mindfulness meditation specifically that eight weeks of practice can affect the size of your amygdala. It can reduce the size of your amygdala. And they've also shown that certain practices like meditation, and I'm sure like doing regular ceremony work with plant medicines as well, has been proven to thicken parts of your brain um, and increase the basically the connectivity around the gray matter. Yeah. So, so what I'm feeling like is like what you referenced before about the rappers. So that's like a pretty famous study that they did, and it's Uh about flow states and what happens in flow. And basically, they're talking about transient hypofrontality, which basically just means a, a temporary downregulation of activity in parts of the prefrontal cortex. So in other words, when we slip into a certain state, the parts of the brain that have most to do with our ego and our sense of time, i.e. our separation, those parts of the brain 
down-regulate. Yeah. So that's what transient hyperfrontality means. And so that's what is, is well known, like Rise of Superman, the book by Stephen Kotler, talks a lot about this. And I've done a podcast with a, a neuroscientist called Professor Arne Dietrich, who's probably one of the leading experts. I think he was the guy that actually discovered or... Uh, he, he's the guy that basically did the research around transient hyperfrontality. Oh, and cool. uh, so it's a well-known phenomenon in, in flow states. But when it comes to um, something like ayahuasca, I think 100% this, a, a similar thing is happening. There is a downregulation because ego is non-existent. Time was non-existent. That, so that part of the yeah. brain that was dealing with that stuff is, is gone. So there's huge correlation between meditation flow states, altered states of consciousness, doing plant medicine. And to me, that's just makes it so fascinating. It, it makes it all part of the same path towards discovery. Yeah, it's like uh, something that I've been experimenting with a lot lately is um, different, uh, different frequencies to try to lock my brain in, like specific actual numeric. And um, I've, I've definitely noticed that Certain ones, like I really like, uh, like 13 hertz is, is right on the edge of, you know, alpha and beta. Yeah. And there's something about it that really works well for um, uh, not necessarily the creative uh, flow state, but it's almost like a, an enhanced, um, I guess maybe a little mix of both. Like it's it's not it's not the total zoned out. It's like a more focused, um, get stuff done type thing. Yeah. But still, still with like access to pull in. Like it's like once you need it, it comes in and it. And I've I've noticed like when I'm reading things, um, I've left it on uh, sometimes, and I've just read, you know, for like four or five hours straight of different random really high. Huh complicated things that I don't know anything about that I'm just kind of reading as a layman trying to contextually piece it out in my brain. And then as I'm reading more, it's, I start seeing correlations. That's but amazing. When I, but when I create music, I've found that 7.5 is like shockingly effective. Like I'll, I'll put it on and it not only, and you know, it's, it's kind of like one of those things I, I keep questioning and it's probably my ego saying, like, is it just coincidence or is it that you think that it's doing it so it does it? But I'll, I'll put it on and I do a hemi. Um, I've, been, I've been messing with uh, hemispheric syncing um, where it plays two sounds, uh, one in each ear. Have you, have you heard much about that? No. Well, to, to tell me more. So, so when you play a sound in the right ear, it actually stimulates your, your left hemisphere. And so when you play sound that – so what you can do is – you can kind of jar them both and then you ramp them back, you ramp them up to about 18 to 20 hertz and then you ramp them both down and then they lock in at a specific frequency and they've, they've shown uh, brain scans of people where their the activity is all over the place before they do it and then when they get it, there's like this red uh, high activity level on the top part. Really? And, and recently, I, I, can't, I can't remember what it was that they were studying, but they found that the nervous system actually goes all the way up to the top of the brain. It doesn't end at the, the, the back of the neck like they used to think. So it's going up there and it's, you know, it's got all the tendrils or whatever. Yeah. Um, and I'm not a neuroscientist. So like that stuff starts getting really, uh, really heavy. 
cook for me, so I'm, I I try not to uh, try not to act like I know too much. But yeah, uh, <laughs> well, you've noticed you've noticed like an, so but, so so basically what, before when you're talking about twelve hertz for that uh, borderline of alpha and beta, which is kind of like so just to describe it for people, beta is associated like with logic and reason and everyday life and basically getting shit done, and alpha. Mm-hmm is more of like a meditation state or a, or a calm, folk, kind of like chilled out zone. Yeah. And the more, an alpha, therefore, is a slower frequency than beta. And then even slower goes theta, which is like associated more with meditation, deep dreams, I think. And then super slow, you've got like, oh, I missed out delta. Um, no, delta's the super slow. Okay, so delta's super slow, and then you've got gamma. Like which... four, four hertz and below is delta. That's right. Gamma, gamma is fun. 40 hertz and up, above. Yeah, 40 yeah, yeah. Gamma's the fastest. That's but right. I think what gamma is is actually an octave harmonic of our brain at a lower frequency. Like they, they found that the, the Tibetan monks that were in a meditative state around like some of them were going sub-delta, like 0.5 hertz, still conscious, and when they had that, they saw that there was actually an additional um, additional gamma frequency that they weren't even – it couldn't even call it gamma because it was 100 hertz. So they call that lambda, I think. Um, and there's not much research on that one at all. I haven't found hardly anything on that. Really? So that's, that's what I think is what maybe the ayahuasca is activating because it's taking you to a low enough state that you're able yeah. to get that – Higher because when sound waves hit, you know there's there's a thing called uh, harmonic distortion, and you know coherent light is two waves that are you know in the in the same thing. But most things aren't coherent. But when they when they are coherent and they they hit, they create a harmonic, an octave yeah. above, which is exactly double. Yeah. So I think maybe there might be something going on where it's like when it's at a low enough thing, it just keeps crashing and goes up and up and up and up and up and up. Let me tell you a story about the first time I did ayahuasca. And so basically this this is only like a a year and a half ago or something. And I was having this experience, like this is probably like two-thirds into the ayahuasca journey. And I was lying, I was actually like in child's pose, like which is a yoga position, just basically on my knees um, lying on, on my bed and um, I was basically in the feeling a lot of love like there was a lot of energy coming through me and it was almost like I was absorbing the energy of all people around me and this might sound weird to some people but I was existing on very much like a vibrational level like I could really f- I was really tuned in to the, the energy in the room like it was it was palpable it wasn't just me just talking about energy it was like I could feel it. I could feel it, right? And there was this incident where I was in this position, just lying on the floor like this, and I could just feel this, my, the vibration in my body start to get high, more and more high-pitched or more and more frequent. Uh. The frequency was going up and up and up and up and up till it reached a crescendo, which, which felt like a mixture of, it was like halfway between electric shock, like when you electrocute yourself. Okay. And there was a little bit of like an orgasm feeling in it as well. And it was just like, just like rippling through my body. Um, and it felt amazing. And the only thing I can think is, is that it was literally the frequency of love. Like, 
that's literally what it felt like. It felt like the highest frequency that there could possibly be. And it felt like I was absorbing it through my body and then channeling it out. And it was just like my body was just like this kind of like electrical wire that this, that this um, energy was passing through or something. And yeah, which kind of is interesting I, when you're talking about the Tibetan monks, like um, experiencing that ridiculous brainwave state. Yeah, I, I think I've I think I've experienced something similar to what you're you're talking about. Um, when I was I was doing some uh, delta meditations, um, and one thing I I never knew anything about meditation before, like last year, year and a half. Um, so this has all been you know new information. And I as soon as I came into it, I was using the the sounds kind of to supplement because everything I read was saying it you know it makes it easier. Um, for a beginner and, and I noticed when I was getting to certain really low states, but not falling asleep that I, I kind of, and now I've been trying to develop it. Um, I could feel, I can almost not even almost, I, I can send the electrical pulses to whatever part of my body that I focus on. And I can really almost make it pulse or, you know, I can focus on the head or the hands or, mm-hmm. you know, the feet or whatever. And, um, and, and I, I noticed that when, uh, when I was doing that, when I was meditating and it was, I was, I was kind of focusing on, um, on the head, I, I was, I was getting more specific and I was like, well, can you, can you focus on different parts of the brain? Can you like think about a specific, you know, gland or whatever? Um, and I'd read a lot about the pineal gland being something that is, you know, the gateway to, you know, reaching those uh, out of body uh, experiences. You know, it's, and so it's where they say we we store some DMT apparently. Yeah, and and so I was I was focusing on that, and I was it was it was almost like I was visualizing um, like a crank, and I was turning it slowly, and then I kept turning it faster and faster and faster, and then I felt the vibration getting you know faster, and eventually it gets to a point where yeah, you, it it it's like it feels really good. It's like uh, um, wow, yeah, euphoric type thing. Yeah, and it's not something that. I can always get to because I think, I think just distractions and just, you know, being too busy or doing other things and not making it a priority, um, is, is part of it. But I, I really, I really think that, uh, it's possible without, without any, like even without the ayahuasca. hundred percent. I, I, I hundred like percent really, agree with you. Like, and that's a very good point, right? The, like ayahuasca and things like that are not a, they're not like an alternative. They're not a replacement for doing the work. Like there are many things that you can do without the use of external entheogens or substances. But for me, it's like okay, if if it's it's such an amazing reminder, such a powerful reminder. Oh yeah, once you feel it, what is? Yeah, it's literally it's like be having to get back. Yeah, spending a few hours in a state of enlightenment. So that yeah. when I go back to my normal life, I've got this recollection and this understanding, this, this knowledge of this state, which is just pure love. It's existing in pure love. And I can then make 
conscious decisions to modify my behavior, my thoughts, my actions, how I live my life to align more with that state. And what you're talking about and doing, doing meditation, using um, binaural beats or using like just being very creative and doing your research, but more importantly, doing, putting the effort in because it doesn't just come like that, does it? Like meditation yeah. is one of these things that there's a, there's a, there's a pretty slow learning curve or a development curve. Like it's such a simple process. Like if you describe it to someone, it's like, oh yeah, you're just going to create stillness. You just sit there? Yeah, you can <laughs> sit there. <laughs> and just visualize a stream and birds and, yeah. you know. It's like, it sounds so simple, but it's so slippery and difficult um, to stick with it because we've got this conditioning that's, that, that has a very, you know, our thinking mind is very dominant. So it, it wants to take over the moment all the time, all the time. So we have to, it's like training a puppy to sit. You've got to constantly say, sit down, sit down with gentleness. So before, and yeah. over time, those sort of, those gaps of pure awareness get longer and longer. Um, and then you can start to experience altered states. So I think, I think one thing that um, I've kind of become hyper aware of is sounds in rooms and even low frequency ones that are outside, you know, if there's like an AC unit on the other side of the wall, I hear the, you know, and if it's, if it's, if it's, if it's a toaster, it's like, I hear it like, you know, and I'm like, oh, I got to unplug that, you know, but I was never like that before. And I, I, I think potentially my hearing has gotten better from meditating. Um, and, and maybe it's, maybe it's just being more aware that could be all it is too. Um, but one thing I've noticed that's helped me personally, since I am kind of, you know, admittedly OCD about, about a lot of things and sound being one of them. Um, that when I can have the, the sound, you know, blocked out at kind of like an equilibrium where it's not too loud, where it's um, distracting, but it's just loud enough to block other things. And noise canceling headphones are really cool for that. I, I really grown to like those. Um, but part of the focus that I, I would have when I'm, I'm making the, you know, the, the isochronic tone sounds or binaural beats or whatever, I don't use the binaural, binaural beats anymore. Because um, the isochronic tones, you can do the two two ear thing. You can't do that with uh, binaural beats. So isochronic uh, tones is that what you were talking about when you're talking about the the right ear and the left hemisphere? Yeah, you can use just one tone that's in the center. Uh, that's you know that works too. Um, and you can and that's how you'd want to have it if you're using speakers. Um, and that's the big difference with binaural beats. You have to have headphones, but sometimes it's nice to not have yeah. to wear headphones. What's, what's the best way for someone to experiment with isochronic tones? I think um, there's there's a few apps that are out there that are, are really good. Um, one is called Brainwave Studio. One is called, I think, Mindwave. Uh, and these guys have put together some really simple, like, Mindwave is this... <laughs> I don't know if you can read anything on that, but it's yeah. got like, uh, you know, like alpha, simple relax, deep relax, uh, study helper that goes into the higher beta. And, and I, I, I think as a creative person and, and what I normally have to do in my job, I keep myself in like an alpha theta state. So a lot of times that's not conducive to doing work that is kind of grunt work. You know, I have to do a lot of grunt work sometimes. 
So whenever I have to do days like that, I'll crank myself up into high beta and just knock right. it out. And then I'll drop myself back down to alpha theta. Um, and, and maybe if it's, you know, even hard enough, I'll do like a, a, a 10 or, you know, 45 minute uh, delta nap where it starts at like 13, goes down to like two hertz, and then it goes back up to 13 when I'm done. And it's like hugely refreshing. It's shocking. Well, you'll actually have a nap. You'll actually sleep. I'll, I'll like sit back in my, my chair or I'll, I'll lay down on the floor, uh, put a little, put a little, you know, pillow behind my head and wear the headphones Yeah. and, and just, and just, uh, you know, I, I end up, I've, I've noticed that I, I get more, um, I get more relaxation and kind of recharge out of, out of, uh, naps like that than if I just go up to like the bed or take a nap on the couch. Yeah. Like it's, it's, and, and I always end up doing some kind of meditating when I'm doing that yeah. because it, the mind just goes there, you know? I, and I think one thing that I found is that even when I'm not trying to now, it, it'll go there. And I've just kind of had to learn to acknowledge that when I'm in that place of, you know, the theta, sometimes the lower theta is when all the ideas start coming, you know, you have the visual vivid uh, imagery when you're in theta and that's what it seems like anyway. And so it's, but it's also not the best, uh, for recalling when you get deep enough, you know, if you get that borderline Delta, sometimes it, it might just be those ideas that you have and then you forget about. And, um, so I've, I've kind of developed some, some, uh, exercises that are kind of just, um, experiments, I guess, more like not exercises. And like, I'll, I'll take my, take my keyboard I'll have the headphones on I'll kick my my thing all the way back I'll have like a sleep mask on so it blocks out the light the, the light being blocked out is actually a really big thing I think for um, meditating um, because I I don't know what exactly the connection is but there's a lot of circadian you know rhythm type stuff that is affected with that and your body might not want to go to a low enough delta if you still have the infrared lights, you know, the infrared yeah. beams hitting your eyes because they still, they go through the eyelids. That's why you see red. Yeah. Uh, that's what I think anyway. Um, Interesting. But it, it's, uh, I, I think it's, I think it's kind of a, it's like getting comfortable, you know, like that's, that's what I've, I've just tried to mm. find so, different so this, ways. To, so this app, like will actually, you can like type in, I want to be at a, out of 12 because I want No, it's, I have to use my own sounds for those type things. Yeah. Um, but, but these guys have a lot of, they have a lot of the spectrum and it's easier on my phone to do that sometimes because I can have two apps going at once. Cause some, I, I like the sounds from one app of the ambient sounds. Um, and that's another thing that I think is, is really important too. Of, uh, I was reading recently that they, they found that people that, spent like a week, I think in nature that when they came back their their circadian rhythms had been like reset and, and all that. And I was, I started thinking, I was like, well, how, what, what was it about it? And I just started kind of thinking, well, maybe it was, maybe it was the sounds, you know, maybe that was part of it. And, um, you know, when you're in, you're in the forest, people might not stop and think about each individual sound, but, uh, you know, you've got like, multiple birds going, you've got multiple different insects and you've got, you know, maybe water running. Um, and, and I've been seeing a lot of things lately about the higher frequency sounds, uh, that, 
that seem to give us uh, kind of like instinctual level pleasantries or, or, you know, or people don't like, like the crisp, there was something I was reading that was about the, about food and actually about the sound that the food makes when you eat it and the, the psychological assumption of, of it. It's like, they're like, if it's crispy, it's crunchy, it's fresher. And if it's like this, you know, it's like, it's more rotten or whatever. And I was like, well, when you're crunching, you know, if you, if you're paying attention to the sound that your brain is hearing, your brain is hearing some really high frequency, you know, probably like square triangle type waves. And, and it, uh, kind of made me think about nature because there's a lot of high frequency sounds. You've got the insects that are at like 10, uh, like 10,000 Hertz. And then the birds that are, you know, at maybe, you know, four or 500, sometimes a thousand or whatever, but they're all, they're all making a tempo. And if, if sounds can pulse out of a speaker and entrain our brain to something, then nature has all these pulses that we're getting hit with and it's like setting it, you know, naturally. So I'm like, all right, well maybe I can just digitally do that too and put the sounds, you know, on my ears. So like the last two weeks I've been listening to like, uh, I'll have like water running and water has like those high frequency sounds too. And, and I've, I've seen on YouTube, a lot of the highest viewed videos for relaxation sounds are water, like running water. Yeah. And, uh, some people are like, like, oh, well, that's going to make me have to pee. Like, it doesn't really do that. It, it right. kind of just has this cleansing thing. So like at night, I wear sleep headphones and, and I'll have like the running water and like a low level of insects. So it's like I'm sleeping outside. What are, what are uh, sleep headphones? Um, they're like soft. Um, what's the brand? I can't remember. I, I haven't really been fully happy with all the things. There's not a whole lot of them out there yet. Yeah. Um, but it's just basically, uh, it's kind of like an eye mask that goes all the way around, but yeah. it has speakers built in. It's like a little, uh, like, uh, what's the, it's like a soft fabric, like yeah. a microfiber. And then it's got cool. the cord and you connect it. I think they have wireless ones too, but I haven't, um, and what, how, how has it affected your, your sleep? Well, actually that's, that was one of the things that got me started on, all this research actually, because I had the hardest time going to sleep, um, years ago because I couldn't shut off my brain. I was always having, you know, all these ideas, but I, I couldn't, uh, just say, stop, 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 you know, and it wouldn't always be great ideas. It's just like, just thoughts and things that I, so I had a really chattery mind. And so I was just looking for a way to maybe have some sound, you know, dropped me down and I didn't know anything about the brainwave stuff. I was just looking for like white, white noise. And, um, and then one of the apps I down actually was using binaural beats and instantly the first time I used it, I slept better than I had in years. Yeah. I was like, Oh wow. Okay. So I pretty much haven't gone back since then. Like I, wow. I, I don't, I don't wear it for the whole night cause sometimes it gets a little hot and that's yeah. just a matter of design. Yeah. So I'm, I'm secretly plotting, designs of of a better one i'm sure like i'm sure everybody secretly plotting designs for a better one we should talk that sounds interesting (laughs) but uh it's amazing because whenever we go camp me and my buddies go camping like all the time and when we when we're sleeping out in nature it's just the best sleep right everyone knows that sleeping outside you just sleep really well it's just a but i've never stopped to think about the 
the, the nature's brainwave entrainment that's going on. But if you think about it, it starts from like sunset, like the, the most, you know, there's, a certain, there's certain types of life that just come to life, you know, yeah. around dusk and dawn. And I'm thinking especially around dusk, suddenly you hear the cicadas or you start hearing insects yep. and it's almost like it's, a, it's preparing you. Like even if you were blind, you would, you would not understand you'd learn very quickly that this is, we're coming towards the end of the day and we're coming into a, a state where we're going to be going, you know, we're resting, we're, we're going down, we're going to be going into a sleep state soon. And it's almost like nature's just got that inbuilt. And the problem that we've got in our lives is that because we live in these sterile artificial environments with all these UV rays and all these bright white screens um, and uh -huh. all that sort of stuff, we, we don't have that natural rhythm. So we get to, to sleep at 11 o'clock at night and we know we're exhausted, but yet we've been staring at our screen. We've been in a high beta brainwave state. We yep. haven't had nature to, 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 to relax us and we find it hard to sleep. Like I'm hearing you because I've been, I've been, I really want to work on sleep quality because I know that the better sleep that I have, the more awesome dreams that I'll have, the more awesome dreams I have, the more work I can do within my dreams, like lucidly. And then the better, the more refreshed I'm going to wake up. So this is like a really fascinating area here, like how to use technology, basically, to mimic nature, to help us tap into our inner nature so that we can be, we can be high-performing human beings. Well, and, and rest is, you know, I mean, there's probably thousands of studies that show how, how important rest is. It's like everybody knows, yeah, if you don't, if you don't rest and you have those stints where you know you've got like crazy set of weeks where you're only getting like four hours of sleep and you feel frazzled you're you're closer to that you know paranoid state thoughts that you know are not really even normal thoughts or irrational but you just have them like you know but then when you're like well rested that whole day you're just like bam boom boom knocking stuff out and and so that's that's kind of been a big part of what i've been i've tried to focus on is, is exactly what you're saying like uh using technology to imitate nature in, in an actual, you know, uh, an actual quality way, you know, not, not a fake way, but like a, a that's taking the physics of it, the light and the sound. Mm. And I think light is a big thing too. You know, when you, you talk about near dust, what's the sun look like? It's beautiful, right? Why, why is it so beautiful? We've got, you've got the oranges going, You've got a pink that's hitting, and pink is is not an actual wavelength. It's an octave of it's or it's a it's a harmony of I think red and blue. So you've got less of the the blue light coming through the the particles of the atmosphere or whatever. And then as the as the sun is going lower, you get it gets more into the dark uh, orange and red. And then once it's beyond red, which is the lowest visible light that we can see then it's, you know, it's dark. So like I, I've, I've been, you know, if I, if I want to relax, I'll put red light on, I'll turn my lights to red. If I want to be, uh, if I want to, you know, ramp it up and I'm like, all right, I'm going to play some games, you know, for a couple hours and I'll, I'll like put, I'll put blue, you know? So, <laughs> you know, you got what this, else you got? What other colors you got? Uh, cyan. Uh, nice. I really like cyan. Uh, it's, it's kind of a, this light kind of makes a more of a turquoise than a cyan, but, yeah. um, what do you, uh, what do you use the cyan for? 
so cyan, uh, from what I've kind of experienced, and a lot of it is experimenting. Like I'll I'll read things that are not based in science, and and because there's so much stuff of the ancient cultures of you know, uh, um, you know, feng shui and uh, different the the shock thing just the chakra system yeah it's red orange yellow green blue yeah uh, indigo violet and then you know that's that's all we can see with our eyes but there's you know obviously there's there's other ones but if it's as simple as red is when you know we need to go to sleep um, and, and everything else in the middle like I'm I'm just trying to think of well, maybe it's just associated with a specific brainwave that it's sinking, you know, us to that. So cyan, when you look at the um, wavelength table, it's, I think it's around like 460 or something. So it's right, it's right in the middle of, of red and, and violet. And um, it, it seems to be like a, a really relaxing, calming one. Uh, so I guess probably an alpha Maybe a maybe a low low alpha, and then green is a little bit higher, and so green I I usually put on green when I'm trying to be creative and you know uh, make music or something, and it really? it seems to be nice throughout the day. It's kind of a, a yeah. um, and I, I read this book called uh, uh, Color Medicine, and um, it was written in like the 80s or 90s, and uh, it was really interesting. They were talking about all these different colors that, you know, were allegedly uh, able to, you know, even cure certain ailments. Mm -hmm. And that's a, you know, that's, that's saying a lot, you know, so, and green, they were saying was basically uh, the middle one that you can, uh, all the other, all the other colors you had to limit or you had to balance with the opposite color uh, because it would, build up for something but green was like the natural just healing and you could just you could have as much of that and it's it's like an, and then there's like these other random things where they're like you know imagine a green light glowing in your heart and you know expanding and yeah people that have had you know uh instantaneous healing uh yeah. phenomenons that have happened they they can't explain them right oh. um so it, it's it's kind of a you know who knows? Uh, it's it's so much it's so much stuff. But I'm like, you know, what? I'll try it. I'll try it on myself. I'm I love here. the way that you experiment with this stuff, though. <laughs> it's like, what's what's amazing, and the reason why I love chatting with you is because you're in this position where you're operating in the real world. Like you're a creative dude. You've, you're you're producing music. You're coming up with animated story stories and stuff like that. And you're you know you're operating in the real world. You're doing grunt work and you're doing creative work. But at the same time, you're using this curiosity and this sort of love for learning, this capacity for learning that you developed as a child to basically just explore, just follow your instinct and your intuition to say like, right, I'm going to explore with brainwaves and brainwave entrainment and isochronic tones, or I'm going to think about nature's circadian rhythms, or I'm going to think about lights. And then you go and install like this sick light system in your in your home <laughs> studio. So you actually just do it rather than just think about it. And you're just being super proactive in, in sort of like harnessing your optimum human potential. That's pretty much it, right? You're like, that's what yeah. you're after. 
Yeah, I mean, I, I've I've created so many different jobs that I have to do that it it almost became a necessity to be able to bounce back and forth because before uh, when I would work on things, I would I would be content if I did like one thing a day, kind of kind of uh, one creative thing a day, and and if I didn't have it, it was like oh, it's a bad day, you know, feel 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 less accomplished. And then the days that you do do it. And now, now it's kind of like, all right, well, it's on demand. I just, I just kind of, you know, sit, sit down and, and set the right, um, the right tone up. And then sometimes I, I'm like, you know what, it's not working as well as it, it seems to used to, you know, maybe I'm getting, you know, um, immune to it or some, somehow, you know, so I'm like, all right, let me, let me try something else slightly different. You know, I've even got smells going. I've got aromatherapy with a bunch of essential oils, Wow. So I've got like all the senses, you know, going, I've got like, um, and, and this is, and this is the funny thing, another thing about color, right? So I've got like, I've, I've just put it in this uh, other thing. Um, but this orange essential oil, I really like for like the nighttime and it's just, it, it's so like relaxing and it's, it just, it just seems so funny how the colors and, you know, the physical things, like you think about the foods, like if green you know, I like to, I like to think, uh, like this, like, let's assume this crazy notion is, is, is plot possible. And let's, you know, let's see if there's any kind of proof anywhere or anything that, you know, makes it, makes it ring true or whatever. And so it's like, okay, if green is healthy, uh, light is healthy, obviously green foods are healthy. Um, you know, and then you look at the different colors of foods and like a lemon is a lemon and lime uh, supposedly from this, this, uh, color medicine book, we're saying they're, they're, um, kind of the detoxing, uh, elements. And so, okay, well, if you have a, if you have that color of light, you know, you can, you know, you can tune the light to, you know, it's a little bit, it's like a little mix of green and yellow. And then you've got orange that is kind of like a chill, you know, a sunset, but also the food could, could be doing the same thing. You know, if, if, you know, it's like, what is, what is light? If everything is vibration, then the physical things that we put in our body, their color matters too, you know? Mm-hmm. So it, it's kind of a, it, it kind of starts opening up some cans of worms where you're like, <laughs> like, like you're saying, like, yeah, after your experience, like you started thinking differently and you, you don't know if it's going to last or not, but it probably, it probably will. I mean, it, it, cause I think I've had a few of those moments where, I started really analyzing myself from kind of a different perspective and, you know, being real with myself and, you know, like kind of encouraging and, and snapping into shape, like, all right, you do this, this, you know, um, it, I, I think there's, I think there's something going on where it's, it's like, we're just, if you're able to tap into the energy that, that is going around, I, I, I believe there there are different dimensions and different, you know, entities that could exist in them. And if, if they can transfer information, you know, there's like Nikola Tesla, you know, he's like underrated in our time because of, you know, big money stifling all of the technology. But um, if you read about how he actually came up with those things, he never said that he like developed something for years and had a bunch of prototypes. No, he had the, the blueprints ingrained from 
a meditative dream and then he built it and it worked. So is that the story? That's that's how he came up with most of the things that he had. He would have these vivid dreams where the entire schematic would be in his brain and then he would go build it and and it worked. And so that's that was part of probably why people were turned off by him in his time in the you know twenties. They're like, all right, crazy guy, but then they're like, oh wow, he invented radar, you know, X-ray, uh, wireless electricity that we still don't have that he invented, and there's a way to transfer electricity wirelessly through magnetic fields and 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 have free energy from a, a resonant you know tower that could send beam wireless electricity. So you've got these towers that tap into the the magnetic spin of the Earth. And then when it's in sync, I guess it, it vibrates, and when it does that, they can it can do other things, and it it's like wow. people like like maybe maybe somebody was sending the information, you know, like there's the akashic record people talk about. It's like, yeah. what if that's a frequency that we can tap into, and, and it's like you just have to download it. You have to learn how to use your brain to to tap into the the source that that's out there, you oh, know, man. By, like there's a, there's an endless thread you can start to pull when, yeah. you, but like you said, the, the portal, like the doorway is personal experience, <clears throat> like having a personal experience of some sort of energetic field or energetic shift or being able to create in yourself different states of being through altering your external environment. Like when you actually have a personal experience of something like that, of like connection with another person or feeling like oneness or something like that, then it's like a, a, new, a new sense is developed within you. Like you could call yeah. it a sixth sense. All of a sudden your sixth sense becomes more dominant than it was before because you've uh -huh. just given it some credence or some validity through your personal experience. And then what happens if we start living through our sixth sense? Then, in, in my opinion, that's when you start almost like manifesting your future or like creating things, like attracting things into your, into your field or, or like being able to influence outcomes. Like one of the shamans who was doing this ayahuasca ceremony, he's, he studied Taoist um, philosophy for years and years and spent, many, spent much of his life living in China, studying with masters and living with shamans in South America and studied with them. So he understands energy. And... He drives around, right? He's he's like a radical guy. He doesn't he he refuses to to have to be labeled or to be a number of a state system. So he doesn't he has like <laughs> he has uh forgone or rebelled against his identity that the that the that Australia and the world have given him. So when he drives around, he doesn't drive around with like some card which has his driver's license number and all of that sort of thing because he doesn't want to be part of this system. So, but that's illegal. And he gets pulled over by the cops. Yeah. And he's, he's just laughing as he's telling this story. But from the moment the cops pull him over, he's like messing with that. With, he's using his personal energy to create the outcome that he wants. So this cop starts walking over. And he's like, can I see your ID, sir? And like, his energy is just so strong. He might, he might say something like, um, um, good, good day, young, young man. Um, perhaps I could see your ID first or something like that. And he'll like completely throw, <laughs> throw the situation. Yeah? And he'll like ask questions and use tone of voice and use body language 
and throw in like suggestions that are just so like left field that he's never actually he's driven away every time. Like, <laughs> like the policeman's just been like, okay, we're gonna leave this guy alone now, <laughs> and he just goes <laughs> because he, he can just, like he can alter reality. Yeah, it's like Matrix stuff. He can alter reality, but um, yeah, man, all that stuff is super fascinating. Um, yep. So, so we've gone into to sounds, light, smell. Um, is there anything else that you're researching and experimenting with when it comes to invoking creativity or optimum performance? Um, I guess I've been experimenting with um, with, uh, with with embedding the sound into normal music um, but that's that kind of just falls in yeah. probably in the same category yeah um, so I, I think that's probably probably and about meditation. all it is for now yeah and, and meditation I yeah I've, I've kind of just become more aware of of uh, I guess how to meditate. Um, so, uh, you know, and trying to try not to stay into, I I noticed that I, I can't be creative if I'm in a bad mood. If I, if I, you know, um, if too many things happen, it's sequentially that, that I, I kind of let them get to me. Um, I, I really have to like clear my, my, my mind. Um, a lot of times I'll, I'll use video games to clear my, my, my mind and, um, before you try and get back to a creative state. So yeah, like I'll just say, I'm going to play games for an hour, maybe two hours even. And, um, and I'll play the games that, uh, that I can go on the world and that are like, you know, creative types where I'm in like a forest and I'm chopping down a tree to build a house or, you know, doing, uh, random things like that. Not, not violent things. Um, I haven't really, uh, I assume the violent type things probably wouldn't work to what I'm trying to get to, um, but they could just by taking yourself out of it. Maybe um, could could be all it is. Um, but I, I guess that's kind of what it is. It's like you have to just like brush it off. And I I know personally that I I'm extremely sensitive, you know, to getting into a bad mood. You know, I, I'm learning to be less, but. Um, it's like you know, learning to hack your own yeah. your own, own mind. Just realizing the uh, you know the, the inadequacies or whatever, and and not being you know not accepting them. And, yeah. You know, just saying I'm gonna make them make those better too. Like yeah. you know, uh, and you know, the, not not every day uh, is is really like monumental or anything. Um, but what are you I, I kinda, towards? Like, what's what's your What's your goal or your sense of purpose in, in everything? Well, I guess my my research lately has been uh, leading towards actually building something now. So I'm I'm kind of into the, the the educational phase of learning how to do some microelectronics for some ideas that I have, um, and I've I've written down a lot of ideas that are just out of my scope of of skills. So part of me is like, all right, well, I just need to find some, you know, you know, people that I can work with, but there's not really enough time to do that also. Um, so I'm just trying to improve myself as much as, you know, learn as much as I can about what I'm trying to do and see if it's plausible for me to learn enough to make something 
And if it's not, then, you know, find another way. Um, yeah. And what do you feel like, what do you feel like the world needs? Like if you, if you could change something or add something, take something away, like what do you feel like the world needs to be a better world? Um, better, better, uh, education. I, I, I think, uh, something that I've been really thinking about kind of hinges on enhancing the ability to learn by, you know, if you're studying, if you're listening to an audiobook, there's brainwave frequencies that are more optimal to be at than others. So, okay, let's tie that in. And then if you're, you know, if you're getting ready to go, you know, play sport or, you know, lift weights or something, there's, there's some things that you can kind of ramp your, yourself up. Um, but the, uh, I mean, the education system is just so broken. I mean, it's, it's just so bad, even all the way up through university, it seems it's like, and it's not, it's not the people that are going that are doing it. It's the, the structure of it. And with the internet, I'm realizing you can learn anything you want on the internet. Like there's, there's free courses on things, but there's so much information beyond any courses that if you, you know, accept the, the thought that you can understand those complex issues, uh, and, um, and just kind of, you know, maybe even work backwards from, I like to work backwards from things and read something that's really over my head and then copy and paste all the words that I don't know and, and learn each word. And then I have somewhat of a cohesive, you know, contextual knowledge of, of it. And then I can maybe apply that to the, you know, the next thing. And I, I feel like that style of learning could be a really effective way for uh, people to learn by like, you know, having, having sessions where instead of going to a class for 40, 45 minutes and then cutting it off, you know, going to this, like have like two or three hour sessions of things where you can really get into it but you, but focus on things that you're interested in. So, you know, they can actually have subjects that they really, really care about because I think any successful person that, you know, has reached like the highest level of success, you know, financially probably had something to do with a large amount of passion that they had to get there. And that seems to be ignored. Like it seems like that they don't focus on, finding something that you like to do, get really good at it and then make a business out of it. It's like, well, you got to learn, you know, this, well, why, <laughs> why do mm. I have to learn this piece if I'm not interested in that field at all? You know? Yeah. So you were homeschooled, right? Yeah. Until sixth grade. And then, and then I, you know, so half of my schooling was, was homeschooled. Yeah. It's really interesting. One of my buddies um, is, is basically in the technology education space and he's, you know, really, it's an amazing company that they got running, and they're, you know, they're they're basically providing the security and the, the uh, the back end support for all the schools that are migrating on to use Chromebooks. Um, uh-huh. At the moment, the company is just doing like security stuff, like stopping kids looking at porn, which my buddy is not into, like philosophically. But he wants to move into a to like actually revolutionize education. Uh, because he, you know, when he was a kid, he was learning from these dry, dusty textbooks, and yeah. nothing challenged him. Like we talk about when we talk about flow states, we talk about the the challenge to skill ratio. There has to be 
the challenge has to stretch you, has to stretch your skills so that something extra is required of you for you to slip into this optimal state. And for a guy to say that not once during my 13-year school career was I challenged, he's basically saying I did not achieve a flow state in one time. In other words, the school system did not get the best out of me once, which is really, really tragic. Yeah, I'd, I'd, I'd feel the same way. I mean, I, I think I, I remember uh, calculus being pretty tough, but everything <laughs> dude, else was dude, like... I was super stretched <laughs> by anything involving algebra, <laughs> numbers, like physics, chemistry, but that's, that stuff stretched me. But, uh, you know, everyone's, everyone's wired differently, right? I still think that's so much of what I learned at school, like I've never applied to this day. Um, you know, and, and, I'm, and I, when I left school, I was like completely in the dark about so many things like, like relationship stuff or like how you open a bank account. Like what's a mortgage? Like why are people getting $500,000 in debt to buy this house that they have to pay off for the rest of their life? Or like yeah. philosophy. Like why, did I, like why are kids not learning some philosophy, for example? It's, yeah, it's like it's more, it's, it's more closely... Uh... I think uh, associated as population control than <laughs> in yeah. actual education, but yeah, it, it is. It, it's it's such a a big thing, and it's such a societally unaccepted notion to say, "Oh, well, you should just drop out of school and learn learn everything you need to know yourself." But I kind of want to tell people that sometimes, but I can't. You know, oh, dude, I know I can't. Just say it, like surely. Like, we're at a very unique point in history because never before has there been this living, breathing organism called the internet or the interwebs. Yeah. It's, it's just happening, right? You know, we're 20 years into it. We're just, like, beginners at it. But if you think about what it's going to mean for, for the access to information, like, before, for you to become a learned man, if you were living in the 1800s, like, I was reading the biography of... Um, I was reading a book, Mastery, by Robert Greene, and um, it was talking about uh, one of the first U.S. presidents. Was it Franklin? Benjamin Franklin. Yeah. So Benjamin Franklin, like, realized at a young age that he wanted to be, like, a, a learned man. Like, he, he knew that he wanted to be educated. So he went yeah. and got a job in a, in a publishing or a, a publishing press because oh, he, yeah. knew, he knew that all these books would be coming through and he'd be able to read this stuff. So that's how hard it was to get information yeah. back in those days. Like, you literally had to maneuver your life so that you were going to get access to this stuff, right? Whereas these days, you see, like, four-year-olds on, like, a MacBook Air or, like, with, a, with an iPad, and you're like, whoa, these guys have got access to more information than, like, professors at, at you know, at, at Oxford, Oxford University, like, 50 years ago. <laughs> One, and the, the medium that exists too with, with video stepped it up again. Yeah. It's like, all right, first you could read everything you wanted to know from the internet, now video, and then it's going to be virtual reality, experiencing knowledge. You know, imagine you put on, you know, the VR set and you're, you're learning about whatever, you know, let's say it's physics. Let's say it's something really hard to describe to most people, but then they're able to build these structures and let you manipulate them and, and say, this is why this, I mean, and then yeah. you've got a history thing of, you're actually in the room and you can walk around and experience, you know, hypothetical, you know, conversations. I mean, Dude, imagine that. 
that's where that's where I look forward to yeah. you know seeing it go and oh man history lessons where they take you back and you're like on the f- no I pressed the wrong button I didn't want to be in this war <laughs> <laughs> yeah yeah I mean and that and but that would be a good experience to show people of how awful it is yes. you know because one of the what was that movie the movie with Brad Pitt that there was some uh, there was a bunch of tanks. It was about the tank brigade guys. That wasn't called Rust. It was something with an R. I can't remember. Um, but that movie was so brutal. Like, and I think, and I, and I read after the director did it intentionally to show how brutal war is, and that it just makes you think, like, yeah. why do all these people have to die? Like, what is, yeah. what is the the real reason behind it? And how you know you got like ten people deciding it all. <laughs> Hundred percent, man. Like, if you think like, what's happening now is a democratization of information because before, information would just be in the hands of the ruling elite. You know, those. Yeah. What's happening now with the internet is like there's a democratization. You anybody, someone sitting in Islamabad with an internet connection can go and find out stuff about what's going on seventeen thousand yeah. kilometers away. But so what is that? So, so naturally, the, the ripple down, the trickle down effect on the education system is surely going to be the same. If we look at like everybody knows that history, the history books that we read, like if you read a history book on the Second World War in Japan, it's not the same history as if you read the, the same thing in America or the same yeah. thing in Germany or the same thing in England. It's like these guys are telling the version of history that suits their narrative. So it's yeah. like, in other words, they're controlling the minds of the people that read the book so that they'll have a certain way of, of living and being or control or all that sort of stuff. But if, if the internet has democratized information, then surely it's going to democratize education at some stage. Yeah, it, it has to. I mean, I, I think it could happen soon. I mean, it I seems so. to already be starting. There's sites, you know, that like Coursera and Udemy... Yeah. And, and things like that, that, you know, they're, they're kind of like, they're still kind of mirroring the old system of you go through a course to learn something instead of it being more self-driven and maybe yeah. algorithmically based, you know, yeah. you know, imagine it's like if, Netflix curates all like, these videos. Yeah, man. Like imagine like right now, if you wanted to homeschool a kid, like I wonder if there's a service out there which just provides amazing tools for the mom or the dad who's going to homeschool their kid. So they've just got access to all of this sort of stuff. And like, surely I found some good stuff because I plan on doing that with my daughter. She's three. Uh, she'll be turning four in, in March. And yeah. I, I do a little bit right now, you know, with her. Um, I try to I've, I've been trying to teach her, you know, that food's healthy. That food's not healthy. You know, it's yeah. always funny. She's like, that's not healthy. <laughs> <laughs> um, and then like, we'll play, we'll build little things and then, you know, try to have little lessons here and there. But, um, that's, I know that's not going to cut it. So I was like doing some research and there are, there's like, there's some databases of like websites, but most of them are, are pretty outdated type scenarios. Yeah. It's like, it's, it's not going to be, it wouldn't be easy right now to to do it. It would be still a lot of work. Oh yeah, um, I mean, surely, I think like what what I'm observing in in the world as a whole is 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 a more like people taking things into their own hands. So that's what 
this permaculture yeah. movement is all about. It's people saying, well, okay, so if I can't trust the, the sources of, of, for my fruit and vegetables and I can't trust the supermarkets and I can't trust like uh, Monsanto and, and the influence that they have on, on my food sources, then I'm going to grow some vegetables in my back garden. Now, yeah. that is, has got a very clear parallel in the education sector. Like if I can't trust the system and the schools that are educating my kids, then I'm going to take this into my own hands. And then it comes down to, like, the permaculture example of efficiency is to start getting people together and saying, hey, let's yeah. all grow stuff together. You grow avocados, I'll grow cucumbers, he'll grow mangoes, and we'll all just, like, help each other out. And then yeah. you think about that in an educational scheme, and you've got, like, okay, 50 families all from the same town, and they're like, we all want to get our kids educated in a free-thinking way, so let's create this thing whereby they've got this independent education thing going on. And I can totally see that happening. Maybe it already is happening. Yeah. Yeah. I, I think some of the, um, I think Montessori school, it yeah. has, has kind of taken that, you know, they kind of let the kids do their own thing. Um, the, the daycare that we've got our daughter in has, has like stations, you know, so they can, they can kind of, they can kind of freely, you know, go to them. Um, but yeah, I mean, and they, they spend time on the iPads too. Yeah. So like that could totally work where, you know, they have set things that they can just explore and, and learn things because they want to, not because they have to. When you have to do something, you're instinctually going to be rebellious against it Fully. because nobody likes being a slave to anyone. And that's what you are. You know, you're a slave to wh whoever's telling you to do something yeah. That, well, whoever's telling you to do something. <laughs> yeah, exactly, <laughs> you know? exactly. It's not the optimum way for, for us humans to learn. Um, or not for all humans, anyway. Maybe there is a sector of humanity that best learns through that sort of carrot and stick kind of way. And I don't think but, any of them. <laughs> yeah, maybe not. Yeah. Maybe not. I, well, they might, be, they might be encouraged to be competitive, but yeah. then I don't think being competitive is necessarily a good thing either. And uh, it's creativity is, is more important than being competitive because if you're being competitive, you're comparing yourself to somebody else. You're not creating something new. You're, you know, you're doing something similar, but really the most important things that happen are the new things. Yeah. And then, you know, building on that obviously, but, but the world's um, changing, man. It's like, let, let's just loop this round to where you are at because it's interesting because I, I've in my past life, when I worked as a headhunter in the finance industry, I'd see all these guys who had been put through this educational system. Like the, the Indian guys, for example, would go to these, they'd all work their ass off at school to try and get into one of two universities, like IIM or IIT. And they would all, every single Indian teenager would know his rank in the whole country. You know, it was so competitive, right? And you'd have these guys who were like in the 99th percentile, and, but they would be upset because they didn't rank in the, in the top 10 or top 100 in their town or whatever. And then it's yeah. just funneling them into this system because... Basically, you think about the end motivation. Well, their parents are, are afraid that their kids are not going to have security, they're not going to have wealth, so therefore they have to get into the 99th percentile so they can get into university so they can therefore get a job at a bank and they can therefore feed their kids. But what we're seeing now is a world where people like yourself are working from home, working on making money through means... Uh, in which there is no educational system that's relevant to it. 
Like, yeah. you, there's no university course, there's no degree, there's no anything to, to develop the unique skills that you've had. It's just like creativity here, creativity here, creativity here, some learning, independent learning here, and you've mashed it all together and you've created yeah. this, this career, this income stream that you've got, right? And that's new. Like, I, you know, that's just happening right now. Yeah. And it's, and it's happening with younger people too. Um, there's, there's some really, I, I met some kids that were doing the YouTuber and I've, I've got to jump in a little bit, but I'll, I'll yeah. say this. Um, some, some guys that, that do the, the gameplay channels. I'm sure you've heard of those. They're basically the biggest channels on, on YouTube now. Uh, they play video games and they do commentary and that's, that's what they do. They, they edit the videos a little bit and make them entertaining. Um, and these guys, I, I was talking to one guy, um, and he was working at Subway 13 months before that, and his channel blew up so big, he was making $800,000 a month. Whoa. A month. <laughs> and he's 19. Wow. You know, and then he's talking about, yeah, and then I crashed my Ferrari. I'm like, ah, oh, jeez. Oh, sometimes money's a bad thing. But... Oh, man, money's <laughs> sometimes a bad thing, bro. Money's sometimes but a bad thing. But yeah, like that, there was no time in history. I talked to my friends, my, you know, YouTuber friends about this all the time. I'm like, man, the internet didn't exist. I don't think I would be a very happy person because <laughs> I don't think there would be any job I think you would that be. I would like, liked. Personally, I think you'd, you'd just be um, excelling or being creative or expanding your horizons in some other way. You know, if, yeah. you know, if yeah, you were born always... years ago, you'd be like, making a new type of flute that can make a new sound and <laughs> uh, entrain your brain in a different way, you know? Um, what do you got? Oh, are you going to make some instruments? <laughs> yes. Yeah, I was, I was, I was, uh, I was studying the uh, sound waves and, because they're not straight, you know, they're, they're, they have different shapes and, and so that's why certain instruments have better resonances because they're mm. they're more fit to the curve of the sound and and all that. So I, I've been I've been thinking of different uh, things on that. But yeah, that's it, awesome, it's just bro. Funny <laughs> dude, Josh, you are a you're a fascinating dude. And um, you too, man. I'm yeah, great. I really great enjoyed chatting you, with you. And, yeah. Um, yeah. Thanks so much for being on the show. And um, yeah, it's just been a fascinating. Yeah. Anytime, chat. man. And I know. So after this. Uh, if you just look in the notes below, everybody, then I'll put like links to isochron the isochronic tones and uh, a lot of the things that we referenced in this conversation. Um, so yeah, man, I'll tune in soon with you. Let's uh, let's make sure we chat often about these epic subjects. Yeah, man. Cool. Looking forward to it. Wow, guys, that was super interesting. I really enjoyed my conversation with with Josh Rice there. What an interesting guy. What a, what a proactive guy. He's really taken steps to optimize his, his flow. And it's, it's really impressive. It's really cool to see somebody who's, who sees something interesting and he basically starts himself on a process of learning. And I, what, I, what I really loved about that conversation was just seeing someone with no limits, like no sense of, oh, that's too hard, that's too difficult. He's a guy that really believes that anything is possible. So if he comes across something, then he starts learning about it. And even if it's just way above his head to start with, he'll just keep on going. He'll write down words that he doesn't understand. He'll look them up and he'll basically educate himself. Um, and, that's, and that's awesome. And you can see how that's benefiting his life. 
I also found it fascinating how he is using sounds to elicit very specific states of mind. Like if he wants to get into, if he, if he really wants to do something, I think he described it as, as sort of nailing workout or just, or just grinding workout. You know, some of the stuff that you just have to do. Um, it might be a taxes. It might be like uh, stuff involving numbers, but not like super creative stuff, just more grindy stuff. Then he basically puts himself into a, a brainwave state that's on the border of alpha and beta. If he wants to get into a more creative state, then he gets himself into a brainwave state around 12 hertz, which is more uh, along the borderlines of alpha and theta. This is all really fascinating stuff. Um, I'll put a link in the show notes to an article more about brainwaves and also to, uh, to all the, the, the apps that he mentioned that he uses. So guys, make sure you play around with your work environment. Think about lighting. Um, think about sounds. Think about what you eat. Think about when you're having a coffee. Um, think about smells. Think about all the variables <clears throat> that you can play around with. And be very aware of when you're in a creative state and when you're not in a creative state. Some people are far more creative in the mornings than in the afternoons. And why don't you try and actually adjust your day and your schedule, your calendar and your life to basically optimize your creativity because that's the way of really improving peak performance, okay? Guys, I hope you enjoyed the show. I'd love to have any feedback. Um, you can email me at jiro at theflowstatecollective.com. Please leave feedback on iTunes um, if you basically subscribe and then leave a review and a rating. And that's how this show becomes better known. It really helps me out. You can do the same on Stitcher if you're an Android user. Um, and it please, yeah, it really just helps me to have reviews and ratings, uh, especially as it's a new show and I'm really just trying to get traction and get the message out there. Um, so share it with friends if you feel so called. And that's it, guys. Now get out there and find your flow. See ya. Thanks for listening to the Flow State Performance Podcast. Check us out at www.flowstateperformance.com for more inspiration to unleash your potential.